ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. A word of warning. This episode contains mature language depicting instances of sexual, physical, and or emotional abuse of children. Bella's back. Back with that same drive and enthusiasm that served him well in years past. Nadia Comaneci, Mary Lou Retton, Kim Zemeskal. Could he be doing it again? He now begins his quest for the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta. You said you retired, but you're coming out of retirement. Well, what's what's help? What's making this decision? Well, you know, now I'm back again, uh, and I'm looks like I'm going for another 1996 Olympic Games. Atlanta, probably the most exciting one for the United States. In spite of all of the heat you've taken in the past couple of years, in spite of all that, you sound like you're happy to be back. I'm happy to be back, honestly. This is episode four, Home Games. Bella Caroli had come out of retirement to coach a new young gymnast with huge potential. Dominic Mochianu getting ready, the youngest national champion ever. Watch this little wonder explode into the air. Dominique Moshianu drew instant comparisons to the athlete who had launched Bella to international prominence 20 years earlier. This 14-year-old is being compared to Nadia Comaneci, her coach Bella Caroli, and she also comes from Romanian parents. Dominique became the national champion at just 13 years old. And as a 14-year-old at the World Championships in 1995, she and her coach were both in the spotlight. He is an interesting character and has been criticized a great deal in the past couple of years. He's very tough on gymnasts, as he is on his new superstar, 14-year-old Dominique Musiano. She is the youngest national champion in the history of the United States. For a young athlete, she has tremendous confidence on this event. Back handspring, layout, 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 three layouts. And in Bella's own words, she is showing no fear. At the 1995 World Championships, Dominique took silver on the balance beam and was the top all-around finisher for the U.S. She's just so young but doesn't seem to be bothered at all by the pressure of her very first World Championships. And that's what's so neat about Dominique. This is fun to her. She really enjoys what she's doing. Bella and Marta saw an athlete who could take them back to the top. They set their sights on the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Is 96 Olympic all-around champion within your grasp? I hope so. I'm, you know, going to train for it, and I hope so. Dominic is a special, I would say, one-of-a-kind. Not just because her God-given physical abilities, which are excellent, but because her uh, personality, the way how she's thinking about the sport. She is a little tiger uh, behind her big white smile. Bonnie was covering Olympic sports for the Chicago Tribune when Dominique became the newest Caroli hopeful. I went to Houston in the spring of 1996 to do a story about Dominique, and I had a chance to interview her father, Dimitri. 
He had been a talented junior gymnast in Romania, but his parents forced him to give it up to finish his education. Before Dominique's father even met her mother, he had made up his mind that his first child was going to be a gymnast. So Dominique was born into those expectations. So when Dominique was six months old, he took her out to the backyard, he put her hands around a clothesline, and he waited to see if she would hang on. And she did. Dimitru revered Bella Caroli as a maker of champions, and he was dead set on having Dominique work with Bella. The parents of Dominique Mochianu first sought out Caroli's tutelage when she was just three years old. Caroli told them to call back when she was 10. They called. Most of us covering Olympic sport at that time weren't old enough to have been around Nadia in 1976. And now here's her reincarnation walking around. History was repeating itself with this guru and this little girl, and it was an irresistible storyline. But it wasn't just the media who looked at Bella's return as an opportunity. I saw the Corollis at a competition with Dominique Muchanu. Harry Strug had been left stranded after Bella retired at the 1992 Olympics. In the three years since, she'd battled a series of injuries while constantly switching gyms. But she couldn't find a coach who motivated her the way Bella had. I told my parents that since they were out of retirement, I wanted to return. Carrie's parents were hesitant. They remembered how much she had struggled with Bella's aggressive coaching style and training demands. But Carrie was adamant that she needed the Corollis, and she needed this second chance to prove herself. I wasn't hesitant. I was most comfortable under the Corollis watch. I knew this was my last Olympic Games, and I wanted to be prepared. So Carrie returned to Texas with her parents. We went out there and visited with them and set some guidelines and expectations. I started training with them. Carrie's dad had had a talk with Bella and Marta before they came. And they're like, you're not going to treat her like you had in the past. You're a little kid. You can't treat her like you used to. She won't last. Like, she won't be able to handle it. 14-year-old Dominique Moshianu was envious of her new training partner, 18-year-old Carrie Strug. So I always felt like she was a bit more babied because of that. Bella had spent the past decade improving the training facilities at his ranch. Things were still pretty rustic, but the Crowleys liked the lack of distractions. So instead of training their Olympic hopefuls at their state-of-the-art gym in Houston, he and Marta brought Dominique and Carrie out to Huntsville. And it was just Carrie and me throughout that summer, right before we went to the Atlanta Games, we had to live at the ranch. And the equipment was subpar. It wasn't really the best equipment. Our legs were dead. I think it's like legendary between all the Crowley gymnasts that that floor was so hard. And we're like, if we can do it here, we can do it anywhere. The two of us were in this little cabin and there was three bunk beds, one bathroom, a kitchen and a couch. There was a TV with like two channels and it was steps away from the gym. You would hear Bella's four-wheeler and know that it was time to get out that door. Go to the gym. Once again, Carrie Strug found herself playing second fiddle, training alongside the Caroli's latest it girl. I was 18. I was no longer 13, 14 years old. And I don't think the expectations were as high for me from the Corollis as they were for Dominique. She was kind of the shining star. And I think in some ways, I was jealous of her that she was, you know, the next Nadia Comaneci and had all this attention and had done so well and had this family that was 
always in the gym supporting her. Carrie only saw what was on the surface. Dominique's parents lived in Houston and were always around, always checking in. They were close with the Carolis, who knew they could use the Moshianus to help control Dominique. To Carrie, that attention looked like support. To Dominique, it felt oppressive. One day I was in the middle of my nap at the ranch when I hear the door open up. Dominique woke up to see her father standing in her and Carrie's room. I'm just kind of dazed and I'm just like, what's going on? He pulls me by my ear and he wakes me up and pulls me out of the bed. And he's just like, you know, what are you doing? How come you're not working hard? He's speaking to me in Romanian. Dimitru Moshianu led his daughter to the house and into the Caroli's den, where her mother, Bella, and Marta were all waiting for her. Then my dad starts going at me, like, why were you not working hard? What are you doing? Why are you eating what you're not supposed to? And I'm like, Wait, what are you talking about? I was so terrified. I'm like, I better just not say anything because I'm in trouble anyway. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he hit me across my cheek really, really hard in front of Marta and Bella. I remember just holding my cheek, and I was trying to be tough, but I felt mortified and humiliated. Marta had this look of satisfaction on her face, like, good for you. And it was like she was happy that I was being punished. It's like she enjoyed the moment. I started welling up with tears in my eyes. And I don't even say a word, and I just feel so horrible about myself in this moment. But I eventually put two and two together, and I was like, oh, it's because they found candy and they wanted to get me in trouble with my dad. Dominique's aunt, knowing the Caroli searched her bags for food, had given her a teddy bear. And inside the bear, she'd hidden a few of Dominique's favorite candies. It was just some fun kid stuff. I mean, Twizzlers, gum, and Mentos. It's not the end of the world. At that moment, everything turned dark for me. You know, my parents did sneak me things here and there when I really needed them. Hers did not. I knew if I said, I've had enough, I'm done with this, go give me that ice cream sundae, my parents would have gotten it for me. She didn't have that option. Dominique had no reprieve, just the weight of expectations. And on top of all that, she was training through the pain of a stress fracture in her shin. We could never say I'm hurt. It was a sign of weakness to Marta. She would make you feel like you're faking it. And Bella, too. I mean, you could not say I'm hurting to them. They wouldn't believe you. Carrie Strug was also training through an injury, a sore ankle that twinged with every landing. The two athletes had more in common than they realized, but they were too busy being envious of each other to notice. Carrie, on her way to her second Olympic Games, yearned for someone to pay attention and treat her like a serious contender, while Dominique would have given anything to escape the constant pressure from the adults around her. Is she what gymnastics can be, what it will be? Dominique Mochianu, molded by the coach of champions, Bella Caroli, and already counted as the sport's future. Welcome to Atlanta's Olympic Stadium for the opening ceremony of these centennial Olympic Games. The 1996 Summer Olympics were on home turf, just as they had been when Mary Lou won gold in 1984. This time, the U.S. women came in as a favorite. The women's team competition is still one day away, and already things have gotten 
wacky. The marketers have gotten a hold of this thing. They are calling the women the Magnificent Seven. So they have hats and t-shirts with Mag Seven emblazoned on them. I understand the keychains are next. Marta Caroli, not Bella, was named head coach. But it was truly just a matter of optics. Everyone knew Bella and Marta were a package deal. Bella personally coached two of the U.S. athletes. So of course he would be there on the floor. It was a win-win. NBC got Bella mugging for the cameras. You gotta get your palika for this. What did we do? And USA Gymnastics got Marta's ironclad organization behind the scenes. Marta Caroli. Very few, a lot of people don't even realize he's married for 25 years. He's been married to this incredible tiger of a woman who is the gymnastic coach. And both Bella and Marta were laser focused on bringing home gold. And you are hearing the U.S. team being announced to this crowd who are on their feet. Going into the Georgia Dome, it was amazing in terms of, you know, you just saw the sea of red, white, and blue. There was all the flashes. Everybody is just chanting, cheering for USA when we come out. There's so much enthusiasm and electricity. That excitement all centered on whether or not the Americans and the Carolis could finally beat the Russians. Here with the United States marching to their next rotation, the standings will show you that they are firmly established in gold medal position. And everybody was, you know, high-fiving and hugging. Team USA was on a roll. Our quest for Olympic gold was really going to come to fruition. Next up, Dominique Mochianu, 14 years old in the Olympic Games. Balance beam can be the make-or-break point on a team's quest for gold. It's just four inches wide, four feet off the ground. There is no room for error. And there was an incredible amount of pressure on Dominique to put up a big score. We have a microphone on Bella Caroli, her coach. I want you to hear it. And side, nice side. Yes, yes! I remember just being so relieved because I nailed it, I nailed everything, and I stuck the dismount. that will win Team USA their first gold medal. Dominique Mochianu, one of the youngest Olympians of all time, was leading the U.S. march to gold. Standings after three rotations of four, the United States is in gold medal position. They have widened their lead over Russia. The Americans held the lead, but hadn't knocked the Russians out of gold medal contention. On the final rotation, the U.S. moved to the vault. They each get two vaults. They will take the higher score, of course. This is J.C. Phelps, 9-6-6-2. Amy Chow's second vault. I think Shannon's going to be trying an easier vault. Not be in the 9-8 range, but Dominique it's not. Dawes is next. Awesome Dawson. The first four vaults were solid, but they still needed one more great score to clinch a victory. It all came down to the last two gymnasts in the rotation, Dominique Moshianu and Carrie Strug. Dominique stood at the start of the vaulting runway. Her right leg, the one with the stress fracture, was heavily taped. I remember there being so much chaos 
right before I went for my vault. Bella wanted the sting mat taken out. I wanted it in. A sting mat is what it sounds like. A two-inch extra layer of padding that helps cushion the landing. That's what I practiced on. Why would you change it when I'm vaulting? When you don't have it exactly the way you trained, it starts to mess with your head a little bit. I'd never done it without a sting mat. He's waving his arms. He's like, no, 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 and, and hollering some things and trying to communicate with people 80 feet down the runway. And I'm about to go, and I have almost a panic attack inside. Here's the situation now. If Dominique Ochianu gets a 9-7-4-3, then the American team will be a lock for the team gold. And that would win the gold medal. Oh! Dominique fell on her first vault. The crowd was stunned. She walked back to the start of the runway to make her second attempt. Bell is trying to holler some things over the divider, but it, what he's saying is not even making sense. It's like animated for camera's sake, but not for me. It wasn't helpful to me. To win the team goal, here we go. No! Oh! The same thing. Dominique fell a second time. Well, this is amazing. I just remember my feet slipping from under me and my mouth was again, oh shoot. Like I thought I was gonna be in so much trouble. I was like, I don't even wanna go face my coaches. Like I just wanna like crawl under the floor right now and die. I was stunned. She was supposed to be the next Nadia Comaneci. This girl really could handle the pressure usually. Yeah, I remember walking off the podium. I didn't want to even make eye contact with Marta Caroli. And she grabs me by the back of my neck. When I walk off the podium, she's like, too bad, nah. My heart just sank when she said that because I knew she was saying, you know, you basically are worthless. So Carrie Strug, it is up to her. If she can score 9.493 and to see her parents in the stands or better, then she will win the team gold for the USA. She's the last to go. She's the only one who can do it. There was a reason why I was last in the lineup. There was very high expectations. Oh! Three falls in a row for the Americans. Falls short just like Mochianu. I was embarrassed. You know, this is the Olympics. Wait, she is limping. Carrie is hurt. I knew something was wrong. It felt like my ankle was out of place. Carrie Strug is in trouble. She just stumbled there. She either turned her ankle. Carrie flexed her ankle and pointed her toes and hopped from one foot to the other as she made her way back to take her final vault. She didn't hesitate. She didn't call to her coaches for help. And so there was no consultation with Bella, Marta, or the medical staff. Up until the vault, it looked like the Americans would be a lock. Her first score, 9.162, not high enough. She knows what to do. She will go, and she is ready. My teammates had done their part. I can't imagine, unless I had to be carried off, not at least trying again. Bella is over there from the divider, like, you can do it, Kitty, you can do it. When it was silly, Bella just saying, you can do it. Carrie steadied herself and visualized perfect execution. I said to myself, you can and you will do this. Yeah, you can do it. Don't worry about Carrie charged down the runway, did a round off onto the springboard, 
and a back handspring onto the vaulting horse. Raise your arms, stretch out as far as you can, snap down hard. Rotating one and a half times in the air. Keep your arms by your ears, tight turn. Immediately, she lifted her left leg and raised her arms overhead to salute the judges. Overhead, she finished the ball. Standing on one leg. I didn't plan on lifting the leg up and hopping off. I mean, it was all just instinctual. The pain was too great for my leg to be down. And then down to the floor she goes, like grabbing her ankle and wincing in some serious amount of pain. Very strong is hurt. She is hurt badly. As Carrie sank to her hands and knees on the mat, the crowd rose to its feet. We have got to find out if she's... A 9-7-1-2, she has done it! Carrie Strug has won the gold medal for the United States team. The crowd then erupts again. It reminds us that, yeah, the score's up there on the board. We're on top. And we won. And the team is like, yay! Are we supposed to be happy because she's hurt? Are we allowed to celebrate? The Georgia Dome is all at once in pandemonium, and everyone in this place is worried about Carrie Strug. Marta Caroli and a female trainer helped Carrie off the competition floor, where 33-year-old Larry Nasser was waiting. He had just been appointed the national medical coordinator for USA Gymnastics. And it was honestly just chaos at that point. There's people throwing, you know, flowers at us. And I remember everybody being excited behind the curtain as we were, you know, preparing to march out for the award ceremony. The U.S. team was about to walk out onto the Olympic podium. But Carrie was still in a room behind the competition area getting medical attention. Bella came in screaming, they're going to do the award ceremony. You got to come. You got to come. Geza Pozar was one of the few people allowed backstage. He had choreographed the floor routines for Carrie and every member of the Magnificent Seven. Bella comes in, picking up Carrie like that and taking her out. I was laying on a, like, stretcher, and he just came in and scooped me up, and then we went down to the floor, and the girls were already lined up. Bella carried his star gymnast to the podium, beaming the whole time. Carrie looked both stoic and helpless. She had tears in her eyes and was in obvious pain. Her left leg, wrapped in a temporary cast, stuck out at an awkward angle. And I remember Bella whispering to me, this is your moment, enjoy it, Carrie. Enjoy it very much. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You, you deserve it. You deserve it. Because I was the type of kid who had a hard time just letting go of everything else and being in the moment, and he knew that. The TV audience saw a paternal gesture, a coach caring for his injured champion. Bella knew what he was doing. That picture was all over in every single newspaper in the next day in the morning. That picture was millions of dollars. Tomorrow, Carrie Strug will be on the cover of every newspaper in the world. That was natural Bella, you know. He wanted to be the one to get recognition before the athletes got recognition. It was so Bella, <laughs> it was so Bella to do that, but it's absolutely understandable. Houston Chronicle reporter John Lopez was watching from press row in the Georgia Dome. 
He'd been covering both Carrie and Bella for years. He's got that top hat P.T. Barnum streak in his soul, and and it's never going to leave. I mean, there's no question. He knew that this was his moment, too, you know? And maybe that's unfair, but in his heart, he really felt like Carrie needed to be carried out there because she deserved it and she earned it. He loved loved what she did. She was always overshadowed. He was always like, oh, you know, Carrie, you know, she's always been in the background. So he knew, you know, her struggles. So the romantic in him was like, we got to carry her out here. And then the kind of the flamboyant salesman in him was like, hey, I'm going to carry her out there. So it was both things. There's no question that he was the face of USA Gymnastics, and he did like the cameras, but I think that benefited all of us, to be honest. The most important the United States of America became the number one powerhouse in women's gymnastics. Yeah! The U.S. had won the team gold. They were, as Bella had proclaimed, the number one powerhouse in women's gymnastics. And Carrie was their new number one star. She hadn't known this when she sprinted down the runway to take her final vault, but the U.S. had already clinched the gold. Dominique didn't know that. The fans in the arena didn't know. The millions of people who would watch a tape-delayed broadcast wouldn't know. But once the final Russian score posted, the math showed that Dominique's score, despite her two falls, would have been enough. I was so sad. I was just like, I don't think I made my dad proud. I'm, you know, I just feel like, what's my dad going to say about my fault? Instead of being proud of all she'd done to help secure the team gold, 14-year-old Dominique Moshianu felt like a failure. The girl who fell twice. It was, you know, like Marta and Bella completely forgot that I existed. And they didn't care because I couldn't land that vault. And somehow I was weaker in their minds. For the first two days of competition, Bella and Marta were all in on their star. Then, in the space of a few minutes, they had tossed her aside. They didn't even say goodbye to me at the Olympics. They just left. It was like the end, and it was just like abandonment. Bella and Marta Caroli, husband and wife, and what a coaching team they are. (laughs) The last time. Yes. 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 They were selling their Houston gym and moving full-time to the ranch, where they would continue to host summer camps and travel to coach at clinics. USA Gymnastics was riding an all-time wave of popularity. The women's team final was the highest-rated night of Olympic coverage in 20 years. The Magnificent Seven landed on the Wheaties box. They did exhibition tours. And the world at large couldn't get enough of Bella. You can do it was everywhere. It even got the Saturday Night Live treatment. Come, Kippy, come on. You can do it. You can do it. No, I can't. Do it, Kippy, do it. Boy, you carrying me. No, Kippy, listen to me. You can do it. Shake it off, Kippy. Shake it off. I can't concentrate when you yell at me. Shake it 
I'm okay, USA! Okay. Bella Caroli was big time. It's hard to imagine any gymnastics coach ever again having that kind of impact. The stars would all have to align, you know, for anyone to, to match what he did. Bella was synonymous with the sport going into 96. He was bigger than the sport coming out. You can do it. That is Bella Caroli. If you or someone you know has been subjected to sexual assault or abuse and you would like more information or support, these hotlines can help. Rain's 24-7 Confidential National Sexual Assault Hotline, 1-800-656-4673, or Child Help, 1-800-422-4453. Coming up on the next episode of Heavy Metals. I must be pretty good because I get to meet Bella and Marta. It was the epicenter of where Olympic athletes were being made. After that first camp, people really took a psychological turn for the worse. I felt motivated by fear. This is straight out of the book of Romania, Eastern Bloc gymnastics coaching. They were all watching every turn we took. We were under a microscope. The only way I can explain this place is like, it was kind of like prison. It was just complete control. I was stripped of choice. I was told what to eat, what to wear, how to think, don't speak. Heavy Metals was reported by me, Alyssa Ronick, and Bonnie Ford. Producers Andrew Mambo and Meredith Hodnott. Senior producer Julia Lowry Henderson. Executive producers Libby Geist and Aaron Leiden. Mix engineering and sound design by Mitra Kaboli. Production management and licensing Luis Argianis, Kath Sankey, and Jennifer Thorpe. Production assistants Riley Bloom, Gus Navarro, Samantha Dowd, and Trevor Gill. Original music by Ian Koss. Executive producers for ESPN, Connor Shell, Rob King, and Allison Overholt. This podcast was developed by Jenna Anthony and Adam Newhouse with help from Jody Avergan. Additional production support from Amy Van Dusen and Eve Wolf. Archival producer, Juliana Branham. John Mastro Berardino provided fact-checking. Terry Langford did legal research. ESPN Audio, Tom Ricks, Megan Judge, Pete Giannassini, and Ryan Graner. Special thanks to Jenna Janovey and Elaine Tang, Jolene Van Vute, and the production teams at ESPN LA and ESPN New York. This season of 30 for 30 podcasts was produced in association with ESPNW.